Hey gamers, this is Joe from What I'm Playing Now, and I have episode 192 of the podcast that was originally recorded on February 15th of 2018. My co-host Eric is back with me this week, and we are talking about some games we've played in the past couple weeks. Heaven and Ale, A Little Dogmas, Deception, Murder in Hong Kong, some Pandemic, a couple of different versions of that game, some team play, and some news. We also talk about a few of the things that we want to play. Enjoy the episode. What are the games? This is Joe Luzzi from What I'm Playing Now, and welcome to another episode of the What I'm Playing Now podcast. We are on episode 192 of the podcast, and our co-host is back with us again this week. Eric, how are you doing? Another tiring day. Yeah, buddy. All right. Well, I'm sure everybody wants to hear about some of the things we've been playing lately. We're not going to do a top 10 list this week. We're going to talk about a few of the games that have hit the table, um, both down at the game store and in our houses. And the first one we're going to talk about is a game that we played actually a couple weeks ago. Uh, we hadn't have a hadn't had a chance to talk about it yet, and that is Heaven and Ale. Yes. Was was this a Kickstarter? No, it is no. not. It is okay. completely uh, from Eggerspiel or Plan B, however you want to. Uh, to say what that yeah i couldn't remember if it was a kickstarter or not uh very very interesting strategy game we had a four-player game i believe of that going of which two of the players um really caught onto the strategy rather quickly well you had already played it before but uh dave and i were i think struggling a little bit when it came to (laughs) to some of the strategy um interesting concept with the game i don't would you call it kind of like a rondelle going around the board since you are kind of doing that uh, as I far would, as your action selection to me it's kind of like action selection because that's what you're kind of doing but i don't know if i would consider that a rondelle or not i was going to look it up on board game geek and see what they actually said on there about that i would consider it a drafting game you would consider it drafting yeah okay. i could Dra- drafting with um i don't know maybe a patchwork type mechanic where uh, i don't know you got to move around uh i would say on on board game geek they're saying tile placement i could see that yeah i don't know if i would say patchwork because you're not it's not tetris style um so you're not really kind of trying to cover up a board per se in a certain pattern although there are two different sides to the board one which gives you resources one which gives you money well, I went with patchwork because of the whole here. Let's like splay out all the pieces around in a circle yeah. and go, and travel around there. I think it's a similar concept, but I guess Rondell is the closest thing. Except, you know, if you're not, if you're in last, it doesn't mean you're. It's your turn. You still just True. go clockwise from one player. Yeah, I mean, it's the only reason why I say is Rondell is because you're kind of just going through a circular motion of the board multiple times each round. Yeah. And so, so basically, each each um, player has I don't I don't want to call it a worker, but we have a meeple, and you're going to move that meeple onto a certain um, space on the board, and you're going to take that particular action um, that's there. Uh, you could possibly purchase um, one of resources. The, uh, yeah, you could purchase a, you could purchase resources. You can pur- purchase one of the bishops or monks or whatever 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 they're called. And you're going to be placing those on the board in front of you. And the player board in front of you is going to be made up um, of two different sides. One's a lighter side, one's a darker side green. Um, The one, like I said earlier, the one will give you resources when it kind of pays out. The other one will give you money when it kind of pays out. Um, And it's, it's kind of interesting because you... Eric, one of the first things that he stated when he was teaching us the game... He said, money is very important in this game, so make sure you have money. So, I mean, I thought I was trying to do a good balance of putting sides or putting resources and stuff on both sides of that board, but it just did not seem to work for me no matter what. No, Uh, it did not. Yeah, the the main thing, the scoring mechanism in the game I think is actually really cool because you have the different resources along uh, the, the, the board, the main board, 
and they they start off in different levels, I guess you could say. So you have like the bluest, the blue one was the lowest, and then there's different color ones, and then you have wood up on top, and you're trying to get all of these resource scoring tokens, and you have one for each of the different resources, up above into the positive uh, part of the board. And the reason you want to do that is because if anything that's negative, you actually have to pay by stuff, by the resources you have in the positive to bring that one up into the positive, anything you have in the negative there. So there's a there's an interesting shift of resources at the end of the game where you're lowering your ones that are more in the positive to bring up the ones that are less to try to bring everything even. And that's what your kind of final score is in the game. Did I explain that right? I think I did. Yeah, you were close enough. Uh, the the quick the quick way is get five different resources up a track, and at the end of the game, uh, based on your your brewmaster, he's called is he he um, he dictates a ratio that you trade in your resources in order to lower your highest goods to boost up your lowest ones as. Right as a conversion factor and then your lowest score essentially dictates what your final score will be with a couple extra things added in there afterwards. Yeah. Cause there are some, there are some cards you can pick up along the way. Um, some barrels basically that can give you some extra um, victory points. So there, there are a couple of other ways besides that main scoring mechanism there to add to your score. Mm-hmm. Um, of which I did add to it a little bit. Not that much, though. <laughs> but um, I think it was an interesting game. Um, Dave and I both thought it was okay. I mean, we would both definitely play it again. You seem to really like the game. I mean, to me, it was, like I said, it was okay. I mean, I it, it wasn't a game that after playing it, I thought I need to run out and buy this immediately. Now, I do want to play it again, mainly because... I feel halfway through the game, I finally started to understand a little bit more of the strategy. I think early on in the game, some of the some of the things I thought that might work, I believe, um, hindered my score some. I think I purchased and tried to score some of those. Are they, are they called bishops or monks? They are monks. They are monks. I think I purchased some of those early on and kind of scored those and, and covered them up, and there's tiles you have along your player board that you can cover up to to then play cards because you do have a kind of like um some cards that will give you some bonuses during the game when you cover up um certain tiles on the board that are on kind of like the right side of that player board so i was trying to work on covering those up and i think i covered those up a little too soon and too quick to get some of those extra card activities going on um and I think that kind of hindered me later on because then I wasn't able to score those monks later in the game when I was really, really short on money. <laughs> yes, you were very short on money. <laughs> so, but it's, it, it, but like you said, there you have to find a good balance. And I think what I had tried obviously was incorrect and just did not work. Uh, so I definitely know not to do that again. But it's also something I think with the game that. I mean, it was, a, it was a complete learning game for me, so I'm completely fine with that. But I think there's also, this is a game where if you make mistakes early on, it is almost literally going to be impossible to recover from. I could definitely see that, especially against experienced players. Yeah. Which we can't even say experienced, because I was the most experienced person in that game, and I did not win that. No, no, you did. You came in second. You did not. You did not win. <laughs> yes. But um, Brandon, for some reason, instantly just caught onto the game. Like you said, the game. The game is a little mathy, and I think that's why Dave and I were like, uh, "Okay, math is hard." <laughs> it wasn't. It's not too bad. It's not completely mathy, but it is a game that you could get. You could start looking into things a lot more than just right. what you see. You could really plan out some strategies and really really figure out what's coming out soon because there is a certain number of tiles in each uh, section of the game, the first and the second half. And if you can count everything that's been out on the board, you not, you kind of know what's coming up and what might be available in the next round, possibly after that. So it has the potential that you could go a lot deeper than just, at surface value. Right. 
I mean, I thought the game was pretty good. I mean, the look of the game was really good. The components were were pretty good. Um, you know, there was definitely a lot going on within the game. Um, you know, the explanation did was 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 a little. I wasn't. I wouldn't say it was long, but I mean, it was definitely not a not a five minute teach. No. I mean, it, it is a little bit longer. I'd say it's a definite medium weight game. I wouldn't, yes. I wouldn't say it's heavy, but I would say it's a definite medium. It's not. It's, this isn't. A, this isn't something I would recommend to somebody as a gateway. No, but I. I don't think it's. It's not medium enough that somebody couldn't pick it up after. Maybe once around the board. Right. Yeah. Like oh, like I said, understanding the game and what was going on was was um, very easy to pick up on. I think the strategy was was where I was stumbling. I just didn't see the strategy right away. And um, I definitely would like to play it again uh, and get it to the table. And I know you've played, how many times have you played that game? Do you think now? I'm only at like three so far, oh, but I thought you, I hopefully... thought you played it more at, more at home. No, I, I would like to, but with, with factors uh, coming into play recently, it's been hard to get a lot of game time with other people. So, yeah, well, we, we will definitely have to play that one again because um, I would like to try it again, try to make my score a little bit better than it was um, that first time. But having a nail, anything else you want to say about that one? Well, uh, all I got to say is it was a game that when I first I heard the name of it and I think I saw the cover and it was it automatically popped on my radar and I said, I don't even know what this game's about and I wanted it. And let's see, after playing Azul from the same designer, I saw some similarities between there. Uh, again, not at surface value, but the whole mathy part. Right. Um, after playing it, I said, I'm very glad I picked it up. Um, I will say that the uh, the price of the game is not the the best, I would say. It's a $70 game uh, just at retail. And that that one's kind of a hard pill to swallow. But uh, me, I did pick it up online basically for that reason because there was no way I wanted to pay 70 bucks for it. I've very rarely done that for many games anyway. But for the 50 or so dollars that it's going for online... I think that was a very fair cost. Yeah. Yeah. I had, when I had originally seen it and I heard the name, I was like, Oh, that sounds interesting. But then when I saw like some of the gameplay, I think I was watching a video and I can't remember whose video I was watching. I don't know if it was heavy cardboard or somebody was playing it. And I was like, huh, when I hear that name and then I see what the game is, I was like, mm, that's not what I was kind of thinking how this game was going to play, but it's still actually, once you kind of see with the brewmasters and everything that they're doing on the board, you kind of understand where it's coming from. But when I first heard the name, I was thinking it was going to be a completely different style game. <laughs> yeah, I I remember I I did watch the the heavy cardboard one a little bit, not the whole thing, but I, I remember sitting there looking at it. I'm like, I don't I don't know about this, but I'm like I'm still going to go through with it. <laughs> and and I guess it's just one of those things where it's a game that you have to play before you understand it, which I guess is a lot of games now because. Half the times I watch videos and they don't even look interesting, and then you play them and you're like, "Why didn't I look at this before?" Yeah. All right, and then one of the other games we played this past week when we were down at um, our friendly local game store, Dokemus. This one I think was published by Renegade. Yes, the American version is. Yeah, uh, this one was really interesting. I thought uh, this one is. An abstract game? Yeah, you could really kind of say that. I mean, I want to say the board's modular because it actually moves while you're playing. <laughs> I mean... Well, and you set it up differently every game, too. So. Yeah. Um, but the game is based around you having um, these little tent, wooden tent meeples, we were calling them. And during each round, you're going to be placing three of them on the board. The first thing you're actually going to be doing is picking a in in player order. You're going to take a card. This card is going to let you decide um, which actually 
how turn order is actually going to be. So if I'm first player and I'm looking at cards, one tiles one through five, and I take tile three, I may not necessarily be going first that round, but I may want the action that is on that third tile. So that's why you're taking those particular cards. Uh, you're going to place your three tents. Um, I believe they have to be next to each other on the board. For the most part. For the most part, there are a, for certain rules where you can skip a spot if you're um, by one of the temples or something. And the main goal of the game is to get victory points. You're going to get victory points by having temples on, or you're going to, by having the tent meeples near temples on all the different tiles at the end of the game. That will give you an exponential score victory point at the end of the game. Um, there are also some other scorings that you will have for being at some of the other different types of temples. And there are also some shrines, I believe, that if you're by the shrines, you can um, get some scoring too. Is that correct? Yeah, the they're, uh, they're ruins, I believe they were called. Yeah. Okay, ruins. Officially. I thought, thought they were shrines. They kind of look like that. Um, now, this game I really liked. I thought this game was a really cool game for being like a little abstract game. And not, not just because I won either. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you won off of a flubbed uh, misunderstanding <laughs> of a rule. So when Eric explained the game, I didn't... Dave and I both thought or heard, or I don't know if it was just us being us, um, to try to get our reach onto the board with our little tent meeples, uh, to have them on all different tiles. Um, little did I know that for that exponential scoring that I was just talking about, you actually needed to be next to one of the shrines on the board. And just by chance... <laughs> On every board I went to, I was by a damn shrine. I don't know how I did it. <laughs> it wasn't on purpose. I guess I just got lucky, but I was like, I got all my meeple, you know, all my things. And then Eric was like, we got to be shrines. And I'm like, uh, well, actually, I kind of am. And I didn't even know that. I was like, are you serious? Because <laughs> I go, I was not even trying to do that. Um, but I really liked it. And I really think it's interesting in that, you know, when you're handing out for the play because because one of the tiles you, you know the number one tile is actually taking first player over and i think getting to choose from those five tiles uh with that extra action and the extra actions are number one was um taking first player i can't remember what number two is two was um i believe that's move a tile is it move a tile because three was twist a tile or something like that and four was moving from the the four four was four was rotate and three is move one of your pieces on the board. Okay, and then five was doing any one of those actions. Correct. So that was the five kind of like you know tiles, and I'm saying tiles because they are almost like cardboard, more thicker cardboard than a normal card stock or anything. Um, so, uh, but I, I thought that was really interesting. I thought the look of the game on the table was really cool. Um, the Setting out the board, I thought was kind of interesting. Are there different designs you can play with? Because we basically played with um, three, two, and then three. So we kind of had a hole in the center. And when you're moving the board around, you always have to, you know, if, when you when you were playing that moving tile action, you would move something to cover up that hole wherever it was in the board. But are there different designs that you can actually make with the tiles that are in the as board? As far as I know, no. It's always okay. going to be the... In a three by three configuration, which okay. make makes sense because I didn't know if there was anything funky. It just keeps everything together. Anything. Yeah, yeah, I could see that, but I didn't know if they had like any super crazy type of game where you could play something really crazy. Uh, who knows? There, there might be. There, I do have the expansion. It we I haven't looked at it yet, but I don't think a different grid layout is is in there. It's just more tiles and another another god power so no, nothing too fancy but there there's a lot more variability in the tiles because what the base game comes with eight i believe and i think uh i think there's 12 after after adding the expansion and both are double-sided so that's some good variability at least oh definitely definitely and there's I mean, just putting out the tiles, there's going to be so many different, considering you can align them in different ways and rotate them, not only while you're playing, but while you're setting it up and everything, you know, and everybody starts off, you know, kind of like in their own little tile, probably usually closest to them is where they're going to want to start off. So it was, 
I thought it was really really an interesting interesting game, and I'd, I'd actually kind of like Kim to play that one to see if she would like something like that, because I, I think she would like some some of those abstract type games. Yeah, well, that that's what's that's what's really nice about abstract games is a lot of people who might be turned off of the theme of some game. An abstract game has no theme, so it's kind of hard to put people off if if you're someone who liked playing checkers or chess or whatever else when you were little i think you have more affinity to at least try an abstract game nowadays plus they kind of look a little they look a little classier than some board games do yeah and it like i said it did it did have a really good look to it i really liked the way the game looked and i thought the components were really well done as well yeah very very nice uh i don't have any complaints about it i would love to play it some more which yeah, I mean, we say that for all of our games, <laughs> but no, I, th- I definitely think it's one that a lot of people would enjoy and it's a nice quick game. I, I mean, the three of us, what we played in like 30 minutes or so. Probably. And it was a very quick teach as well. I mean, you were able to, that was an under five minute teach probably. Yeah. And so that's, I would say it was, it was very easy to pick up. Strategy was actually very easy to understand, even though we got the one part thing, you know, Dave and I misunderstood where the where we needed to be when we were moving onto the tiles. <laughs> um, yeah, but it's it was still it was still very easy to understand and just pretty easy strategy. And it was I wouldn't say there's any screw your neighbor, but it's very easy to somebody could move a tile and you could be planning to possibly with the with the card that you that you took for the round, you could easily have to rethink and replan based on what your opponents have done that on their turns. Cause the board could look completely different when it gets around to you. If you've gone later in the turn. Yes. And when I first played it, I did it with two players. So the board configuration is a little different. It's a two by three grid with, okay. with uh, one hole in it. So there's only five tiles instead of the three by three. Um, but definitely with more players, you saw the potential for more, as you called it, screw your neighbor. I mean, because there was a lot of times where you're like, "Oh no, you're not getting this action that I see you're coming yeah. for." So, and it's and it's I I don't even know how much I was really looking at that while I was playing my first game. I'm sure after multiple plays, I would probably do more strategy that in that regards. I was just trying to get my pieces to as many different locations as I could and trying to move things around and just manipulate the board for me. But I mean, it's. Once you get good and start looking ahead, it's easy to be like, okay, I see the strategy that my opponent's taking. I'm going to try to block them. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't call that necessarily screw your neighbor. I would just call it that's just part of the game, which I think is it's it's a really fun part of the game. Yeah, it's it's what any abstract does is you have to really you have to be able to tell what your opponent might be going for, maybe anticipate it and and work around it. It's you're not I mean, you have to attack each other per se, but yeah, especially if you're playing two players because you only have to beat one person. Obviously, there's there's only one other player at the table. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, so you got to be a little bit a uh, little bit more cutthroat, which I think the game has potential to do. So I'd like to see how how that evolves in the future. All right, that was Dokmus. Dokmus. We're not really too sure how to pronounce it, but either one of those will work. <laughs> all right. The next well, one. That- was that uh, 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 all I know about that game is apparently the name is is uh the designer's uh RPG name when he used to role play when he was a little kid like that was that's that was apparently kind of cool that's kind of neat to know interesting so like the it's the, the story of the game quote unquote is supposed to be like oh it's you're on the you're on an island of of Dokemis and you're trying to like uh you know praise him or whatever i I can't remember the story but yeah the the god docmas docmas is yeah it was the name is from the designer's rpg character so that was that was kind of cool that is kind of cool i i'm glad you actually said that because i didn't know that that's neat all right and then the next one that we played um we actually had uh, i think six players in deception murder in hong kong Uh, i've talked about this game several times on the show before but uh, we actually played with the expansion. I don't know what the expansion really added is besides more tiles and more cards. 
and, uh, we, and instead we of the bullets, nifty, micro, nifty, nifty microscope um, pieces. I mean, those actually look kind of cool. Yeah, well, all right. So you got the fancy version of the play because some of that stuff you won't see in the retail version. Uh, okay. So those those fancy microscopes that we had in place of the bullets, that was a uh, that was a Kickstarter thing. Who knows? The company might uh, they might put it up there for purchase later on. I'm not sure. And then the metal badges that was something you had to pay for extra during the Kickstarter. Um, as far as the gameplay goes, we still weren't able to see everything that the expansion has in it because the biggest part of the expansion, well, the biggest change to the game when it comes to the expansion was the new roles of which we didn't play with any. So we still were really kind of playing the base game. Yeah. Uh, however, there were a lot more of the means and clues cards available. I mean, that with the, the Kickstarter stretch goals and just what the expansion added, I believe it was like 90 more clue cards and like maybe 80 some oh, wow. weapon cards, something around there. Yeah. Being sleeved, those barely fit in that uh, box. Yeah, and I, I thought about if I should keep that, but, you know, at that game gets a lot of plays, so sleeving it is a good idea. I had the same problem with the Champions of Midgard expansion box, too, where they said, hey, all, this, all sleeved cards will fit in here, and you really had to, like, mess with those. But, you know, it works. I'm happy. I, I don't care if I had to, like, play some Tetris with, with all of the components. But uh, we had a good time. We must have played that at least three times times i think yeah three sounds about right i think three sounds about right um the first time the first time i think we played i don't think anybody was able to figure out um what it what the what the murder or anything was or who the murder was or what it was the second time i think we didn't figure out the third time i did it was actually quite obvious (laughs) which was funny as hell (laughs) yes i I wonder uh if if there was a smell at the scene and it smelled like chemicals and oh hey there happens to be chemicals out on the table and every, nobody was really talking about it and i'm like okay is that just too obvious or is that actually it and so i just went with it and it was like holy crap that was right well it was funny when we were playing that game because that game i was i was the witness that game and i i knew who the two who the murderer and the accomplice were and I'm sitting there like, well, I can't be too obvious because they're going to get me out of there. So when all this stuff come, kept coming out, I'm like, it's really pointing to this uh, this hairbrush and the chemicals. Yeah, and I'm like, yeah. but I, I can't be too obvious. So, so I'm like, oh, let's let's try to just dance around it. But as soon as you said that, I'm like, that's hilarious that it was actually true. <laughs> yeah, it was. That was a good time. Um, we've I think we've always had a good time playing that one. Um, if you're ever looking for a good party game. That is probably one of my favorite ones, I would probably yeah, say. That That is one game. A, anytime I've played it one time, it always gets played at least one more time afterwards. Yeah. And then B, I have not had anyone ever say, I don't like that game, no matter if they're casual gamers or core gamers, like I guess we would consider ourselves. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I've ever heard anybody talk anything bad about that one or have anything to bad to say about it after we were done playing with it. I mean, even if you don't normally like those kinds of games, you can definitely appreciate it for what it is and still have a good time with it if you're with a good group of people. Yes, and it's uh, it's one of those deduction games where you kind of have to be creative, but it it doesn't like hinder you if you're not creative, right? Which I uh, I have a feeling we'll get to. In a little bit. <laughs> All right. And then one of the next games we're going to talk about. Um, my wife and I actually started playing through Pandemic Legacy. But what we actually did was we had never really played Pandemic before. We've had Pandemic Legacy Season 1 since we bought it. You mentioned you've been playing a little Pandemic as well. So I figured let's just throw this in here and we can just talk about some of our Pandemic um, gamings. I won't 
do any spoilers as far as legacy goes. Um, for all the people who normally listen to the podcast, you know my wife isn't normally into co-ops. Um, so I was very surprised when, after playing a few games recently, she said, uh, especially Charterstone, she kind of liked the whole legacy aspect. And she was like, she goes, I wouldn't mind trying uh, Pandemic. I think she watched Rado's playthrough of it years ago um, and watched a couple of other people play through Pandemic. So she said, she goes, let's try it. So we pulled out Pandemic Legacy and just kind of didn't use any of the legacy components, just played it as straight pandemic. Um, I just kind of downloaded the actual base rules of pandemic off of their website and just went off of those and tried to just not even look at the, um, at the pandemic legacy rules. One of my cats just jumped up here and I think it shocked the hell out of Eric. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but, um, we went through the first month and, um, played the game before that with just base pandemic and we we both liked it um considering i had really only played pandemic i think on my phone before Mm -hmm. uh so i was really happy with it i had always wanted to pick up um pandemic cthulhu since i'm a cthulhu fan but you said you played um you've been playing pandemic iberia it sounds like yes i've been playing me uh i'm going through my solo gaming phase and, you know, co-op games tend to be perfect for that. Especially if you can play with a couple players just by yourself and really sit down and do the puzzle. Just, just thinking everything with yourself. Um, but yeah, I've been playing regular pandemic and also pandemic Iberia of which is not too much of a difference. There's a couple tweaks in there. But if you know basic pandemic, you've essentially got 90% of the rules in your head and you just need to learn like two quick things. Yeah. So, but yeah, when after playing regular pandemic in Iberia, it has definitely made me realize that the regular games I enjoy a lot more than the legacy version. Um, and I'm saying this from the point of I played Legacy with my wife and my brother. I think we got to the middle of May, I believe, maybe June. And that was over. We might be pushing two years now. Holy yeah, Well, it's been out for uh, years. Yeah. So it like we we bought it, we played it and then. We just kind of sat down and like thinking back on it, Pandemic Legacy Season 1, it it was just playing Pandemic over and over. And it didn't, I know people say like, oh, the story was great, but you know what? I think regular Pandemic gives a story every game and it's not a, Legacy is, you're, pl- you're playing like 12 to 24 games of Pandemic with very little evolution, at least as far as I got, mm-hmm. because I don't mean, tell, don't tell me that's a spoiler. <laughs> no, you. And uh, I will say that the first few months, you kind of see where it's going. Yeah. Like you, you, as soon as some things pop out of the of those boxes, you'll be like, "Yeah, I figured this was going to happen," <laughs> and then. It's just a thing that I noticed that Legacy, it really just takes a lot of bits of the expansions and just slowly adds part of those in there. And that's that is something that I had heard is is that's how it is. Uh, So spoiler alert, if anybody is has not played season one yet. I'm sure I'm sure most people are on to season two. (laughs) Yeah, which which is bad because I hear season two, if you don't like season one, season two is really good. And if you like season one, then season two is still good. I, I guess that's the consensus. Yeah, I've heard I've heard a lot of good things about season two so far. I really haven't heard much bad about it. I've heard it's actually supposed to be better. It's it's supposed to be like reverse pandemic. As far as I know, but so the bad that, thing that is almost, that almost sounds like that game Plague Inc. Then if it's reverse pandemic. <laughs> Well, uh, yeah, so (laughs) yeah, so the the bad thing is I want I would like to get season two and play it, but we have to finish the first one first. And it's it's kind of a slog to to do that. And also, it's just kind of hard to sit and play that. 
after a while, you know, cause now I got to go back and read the rules and be like, Oh, where, where the hell we leave off? What's the rules at now? Because there are stuff that that's changed. So, and that's why when we played Charterstone, I tried to, we tried to knock out Charterstone. I don't want to say as quick as we could, but mm-hmm. we tried to not play too, too many other games in between. And we were like, if we're going to do this, let's just play these 12 games um, and get to the end. So we kind of could keep the ball rolling. And I'm kind of glad we did it that way. But also at the end, by the end of game 12, you're like, okay, I've just played 12 games of Charterstone. I'm now done with Charterstone for a little while. I need a little break. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. I, I know I, that feeling. I, I can't think of the last time we've ever played 12 of anything in a row so much so fast. So before, so, um, but it was still fun and I, I like pandemic. Um, I'm interested to see where, uh, legacy takes us. I think we're going to play another game probably this weekend. Okay. So we will continue talking about that one later, but then you guys played a few things after I left. Um, one of the games that you guys played was a little card game from WizKids. Um, I believe they released it in the U.S. It's out, it looks like it was released um, maybe over in Germany or someplace. It's called Team Play. Yes. Um, so it's a it's a small little card game. We had the maximum of six players. And what you have is there's there's two decks of cards. You have the one deck that's full of numbers. And I believe there there's two colors of numbers. And there's numbers one through eight and four of each four of each number in the deck so do do the math to whatever that is then you got a separate deck which is the mission deck and everyone around the table gets a mission card that's face up in front of them and i think uh what is it whoever's the first player they start off with one card in their hand the second player starts off with two and then everyone afterwards to the up to the dealer they get three cards that's the start so when it when it's your turn uh there's a there's a display of card of three cards numbers face up that when it's the start of your turn first first you see if you have six cards in your hand if you're over that discard down um then you got to draw two cards and the cards can be from the the three face up uh, as soon as you take one from there, it automatically refills, or you can just take one straight off the top of the deck. And the, basically, the last thing you do on your turn is you're going to be partnered up with somebody. And basically, um, the six-player game, it went team one, team two, team three, team one, team two, team three. So whoever was... who I was the first player of that game, so the the person who was fourth in turn order, he was my teammate. Uh, so at the end of the turn, you're able to pass that person one or two cards secretly. And you can't talk with with your teammate about strategy. You kind of just got a guess of what they're going for. And the whole point of it is to complete these mission cards that are in front of you, which you only have one. And there's one face-up that anyone can accomplish on their turn. So it's kind of a little battle between everyone. Um, and at least the nice thing is you can complete the mission anytime on your turn. So like at the beginning of the game, you know, say you want to draw one card and that one card lets you complete a mission, which say maybe you, maybe you got to get two pairs, you know? So you draw that first card and then you're like, Oh, I got the two pairs. I'm going to complete that mission. So you just stack it down there. You'll get a new one automatically. And right there you could be like, you could choose to keep it or you could get rid of it. And if you get rid of it, then you're going to get a new one. You're for, you're stuck with it. Okay. So so there's that. Um, but the thing is, if you can complete the new mission or the the one that's sitting out there for everyone to do, you can do that again. So you can combo something if you're able to. I, I, I would assume it's pretty rare because you do need – you mostly need three or four cards to complete a mission. And with a hand limit of six, you know, it's a little bit – yeah, that would be – it sounds like it would probably be very, very rare for that to happen. Yeah, I, I could see it happening, but yeah, it would be rare. But but that's the whole turn. Uh, draw a couple cards, pass them if you want to, complete missions, and the game goes until one team has completed eight missions, and then it just ends right there, and the mission cards have uh, – 
they have points on them. And as soon as somebody completes the eighth, all the teams just count up their points and whoever has the most wins. Cool. It's yeah, as simple mind, as that. Yeah, I wouldn't mind trying that one. It seemed like an interesting little card game. I think it's it's actually you need like four people or something, isn't it? It's not like a you can't I don't think it I don't think you could do a two player, can you? Uh the box said three to six and oh, as far three? as okay. As far as I heard, if you play with three and five, um well three everyone is their own team essentially. All right. And then five, I believe it's two teams of two and one person's stuck by themselves. Uh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I don't, I don't know if there's any other fancy things cause obviously it's probably easier for the teams to, uh, to get their missions completed, but I don't know. Uh, I'll, I'll look into that cause I have a copy coming my way, Cool. which, uh, yeah, I, I had to get the one on Amazon, which is from the original company from Germany. And that was basically, um, really the art style choice. Cause I, w- I wasn't too fond of the the Wiz Kids graphic design of it. Just how the art was, it was kind of bland. But the uh, the German or whatever country it's from, I like that one a little better. And the Wiz Kids art style almost looks like it was made for like a Target or like a mass produced type of game, like Uno or something. Yeah, but I mean, I could definitely see it happening because it is. It feels like a nice classic card game. Yeah. And it it was fun though. I would I would play it more. Cool. I'll have to check that one out. And then yeah, I think you guys also played some Muse and it sounds like this game was um both a hit and a miss. I mean, or did I miss something? <laughs> yeah, so I uh, it's definitely a a party style game. So you you don't know how to play it, but I I know I've kind of been over the last few days playing the cooperative version yeah so to so to speak over our phones and just texting it <laughs> uh, cause, i mean because that is the cooperative version really is and dave, dave and you and dave seem to be really good as a team i guess it sounds like yeah well me and me and dave were we're a team playing this so so what we did we had we had the same six people from team play we actually did this before we played team play okay so so t- team play got the it got the taste out of everyone's mouth pretty much. <laughs> um, so we split into three teams of two, and what what you do is whoever's the starting team, the team to the left of them, they're going to draw six cards out of this uh, giant stack of cards, and the cards are like Dixit size, right? And and they're they're very close to Dixit. I know you've seen the art through some of the pictures, but it's yeah. very, it's very fantastical and it's, it's really nice art. I, it's very enjoyable. I like, I would consider buying a second copy and like somehow making a poster out of the cards if I could, or, you know, some type of wall art. Cause it's, it's very pretty. Yeah. It did, uh, from what I've seen, it does look good. It reminds me of Mysterium as well. That type of art. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so, so you draw six of those cards and then you have this other deck I forgot the name of it, but you draw two cards from this smaller deck of cards and it tells you the basis of some clue you have to give. Um, So it might say like, oh, name a fictional character and name a book, name a movie, something like that. So what what your team does is you pick one of those six cards with the pictures on them Mm -hmm. and then you, you pick one of the one of the other smaller cards and you pass that to the te- the one team's muse which is just randomly picked or you could switch off however you want and so you give those two cards to the muse and they follow the instructions they look at the picture and then they give a clue somehow so, some of the actions might be doing something physical like there was one that says like hum a melody okay so th- it, nothing too stupid but you know, there's there's at least a little different stuff in there. So they give the clue and they pass the team that card back. And what they do is they shuffle the cards together and then they lay out all six in front of the team on the table. And then anyone on the team who wasn't the muse, they have to try to figure out what, what the card is that they were trying to describe. Okay. And if they get it right, they get that card as a point. If they get it wrong, 
the team who who gave them that one, they get the point instead. And it's a race to five points. That's how, that's how you win the game. Sounds pretty simple. Yeah, it's it's a very simple one. Um, it was very divisive. <laughs> Uh, which I, I guess I was kind of expecting from the guys at the store because I don't think a lot of people up there, at least the ones that we normally play with, are are a bunch of party gamers. Correct. And, I, w- and it, I would agree with you. It, it, it is kind of it is kind of hard to play party games with people you you may not know as much as like maybe your normal friends. And especially this game, because you really kind of. You might have to get creative, and I think sometimes being put on the spot with something, you might just freeze up. Um, Some of the cards that we were given, I I don't know how, but me and Dave were getting them. And, you know, like like I I had to guess one. I got wrong, but I was like, oh, was it this one? And it was like, yeah, it was that one. I was like, oh, shit. It was like, there's always that one thing where you're trying to look for like the two cards that are yes, yep. are are so similar that you're like, oh shit, you know, I might I'm like 50-50 chance, but I know it's one of these two and you just kind of got to go with your gut. And then it was amazing cuz some of the ones we had it where I I had I, I was the muse in this one and I had I had to describe a movie. And my card was it, it looked like a it was like a rock formation that was in kind of like in the shape of a golf tee okay. with like, okay. and it was like water falling off of it, like kind of waterfalls, like falling off the edge of the earth, like that kind of like the small world cover. Okay. And, and then it, it was, I, I was like, Oh, for some reason this looks like Howl's moving castle. Just like, I, it just popped in my head. I was like, all right, so that's the clue. Cause I had, I had name a movie, so Howl's Moving Castle, and Dave's over there. He's like, "The hell kind of movie is that?" And it, I was, it's like it's an anime movie, you know. It's I like that was, say, I like, wouldn't that have was, got that either. Oh, that well, that was. Uh, I think that was nominated for an Oscar when it came out here. Here, this is a long time ago, but but uh, it, it moved up there, and Dave was like, "I have no idea what's going on," and all of a sudden he saw the six cards, and he picks it, and he was, and everyone at the table was like how the hell did you get that? Cause like at the point me and him were the only ones who actually scored points by guessing correctly. Oh my God. That's funny. And they were like, how, how did you understand that? And he was like, he's like, well, he's like, I don't know. It just sounded, it looked like something that he was describing. And it, it was just like, wow. So it's weird how you can understand something with not understanding something. Yeah. And I, I think that was what, it made that game really fun because, you know, you don't necessarily know what you're talking about, but uh, it just came up like the first clue. The other first clue that I was given, it was like, oh, name a fictional character. And all of a sudden I was like, oh, it's Yogi Bear. So you, you, <laughs> so, so, all the, so just from hearing that, can you guess what was on the picture? Picnic basket. Yeah, exactly. And all of a sudden it was like there and and. Dave saw the six and he, he picked the one that I was on. And it was funny because after he, he like picked it off there, he's like, oh, shit, there's another picnic basket over in this picture. Oh. <laughs> so it was like he was. But all of a sudden it was just like, boom, pick the right one. And I'm like, oh, so people were like, wow, how, how are you guys getting this stuff? And I'm like, <laughs> we didn't see it. We didn't cheat. Didn't see anything. <laughs> but I thought that was a really fun game. Like it was it's something I, I'm going to bring out with my family a lot more when we want to do like team games, like code right. names, you know, like yeah. I think that's a good, if you like code names or I guess people compare this to Dixit, people would uh, appreciate it a lot more, but I, th- I thought it was really fun. Sounds cool. All right. And those are the games we played. Let's jump over to the final section of the show. A few things that we want to play. Now, one of the first things for me is a Kickstarter that is currently happening, um, Endeavor, Age of Sail. Um, this game looks to be really interesting from what I can tell on the Kickstarter page. Um, some of the upgraded components and everything that they're actually doing through the Kickstarter look really, really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think just the strategy of the game looks really interesting. Um 
you're just starting off with what with what appears to be maybe like a small fleet and trying to just expand and go through some area control um, and a little bit of set collection, I guess, is in the game. Um, and it just kind of looked really interesting to me. When it first hit Kickstarter, I was like, hmm, that really looks interesting, and I think I'm going to get this one. So um, I don't know. If you're interested in uh, strategy games and you like ships and sailing, and that's, I think, what kind of drew me to it because I don't have a lot of games that um, really do ships you know like on a board like this i mean there's like i mean i think jim had our buddy jim had brought down to the store before merchants and marauders which i had played before which i really liked but that mm-hmm. game is really similar to another game i have which is called zaya it's just one is set in a pirate sense and the other one's a sci-fi game um but i don't have too many games that are set in this type of theme so i think it was one of the things that things that kind of drew me to, drew me to it so i'm kind of looking forward to endeavor age of sail and then you had a couple that you're actually kickstarting. One of the ones uh, for you was the Scarlet Pimpernel. Yes, this is one of the few uh, few games I've actually kickstarted because it seems like I I kickstart a lot more expansions than anything. So I, I don't know what it was about this, but I first of all I thought the I thought the theme was different than a lot of games. Um, and what this did was it actually made me pick up the book to kind of maybe understand where it's coming from. Um, so I'm still currently reading through that, but I I believe this game came out in the early 1900s. I, I don't quote me on that or not the game, the book. If I said that, I was going to ask you if you meant the book there. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, wait, did I say that right? Um, But apparently, what, the Scarlet Pimpernel is, like, the officially the first masked hero in fiction. Oh, really? I don't even know if I knew that. So that that was kind of a neat little thing. And I'm like, oh, well, really? Like, so what's that about? Because I I think all of us kind of like superheroes up to a point. Definitely. Trying to see the origin of it here. And this has to do in, like, the, the French Revolution where where the uh the poor french people are rising up against the the uh upper class rich people and and killing them on the guillotine uh so and the scarlet pimpernel is the masked englishman um uh, which i i know who it is and i kind of saw it coming i i got spoiled of it through the kickstarter post but I kind of saw where it was going with that, so it, I'm not too mad about that. But the uh, the Scarlet Pimpernel is essentially trying to help the the upper French class to freedom to escape the uh, escape being killed from the guillotine. They call it Madame Guillotine, and in, in the book, so they give it a female name. Um, cool. I mean, the board looks really good. I'm looking at it on Boardium Geek right now. Yeah, it's it's a it's a very nice board. Uh, obviously, I haven't played it because it's a Kickstarter. Um, I know it's on Tabletopia, but it, it looked interesting how it it looks like a semi-cooperative game, but it's not. But what you're trying to do is place cubes on the board, and it may do things like activate other actions or build routes to places where you're trying to uh, guide the Scarlet Pimpernel to different cities across the map and you have some people who are putting their cubes on these uh, action slots which so they could determine uh how certain things happen on the board like they'll say oh uh, at the end of this round the scarlet pimpernel needs to move to this city three three cities away and this person bids on on a spot to dictate the route that he's going to take and and then they choose that route and whatever cubes are on that route, it scores points for anyone who, who laid those down there. Okay. And there, there's some other things like that, but it, it was such an interesting concept. I still can't wrap my head around it, but I thought it sounded very different enough. And the theme was nice. The art looked really good. Um, it has a nice, 
has a nice sweet exclusive item for the Kickstarter. I I think it, <laughs> the the fir, the what the first player marker that's like Kickstarter exclusive is actually a guillotine. Oh, nice! I think I actually saw that when I was looking at the Kickstarter page when you had originally started talking about that. When you said you were interested in that one, I think I did see a picture of the guillotine. That does look pretty cool. Yeah, so I, I'm usually not one to kickstart games themselves. So this is the first game that I have officially kickstarted. I believe the last one I did was Crusaders. Um, oh, yeah. Coincidentally, another historical theme. And then the other one you were mentioning um, was Queenbra. And luckily, I had actually noticed this. Um, I had been reading about it earlier before the podcast because I was trying to find a few things that I might be interested in. And I almost put this one down. And then when you said you did, I was like, all right, let's throw it in here and chat about this one. Um, on the Board Game Geek posting, when um, I think it was Eric Martin had posted about it, he actually, somebody, I don't know if it was him, but he had actually put down the the pronunciation of it. So I did notice that it was Queenbra is the way this one's pronounced because it's spelled C-O-I-M-B-R-A. Yes. <laughs> And it makes me feel terrible that I can't say what I believe that's a Portuguese uh, city. Yes. Yeah, it make, makes me feel so sad that I can't do it. <laughs> but yeah, this that's another game. I think it was just announced a couple weeks ago. Um, cur- uh, let's see, what, what, what got me? It was, I saw the art of it and I said, wow, that looks really awesome. I looked at who the designer was. And I said, this name sounds familiar. And sure enough, it was the designer of like Marco Polo, Grand Austria Hotel, and Lorenzo Il Magnifico games, which are really enjoyable. And then just today, coincidentally, while we're recording this, the Dice Tower put up their first uh, first thoughts look on how to play the game. And I just saw that on the, the Board Game Geek page. And from what it looks like, it looked, I didn't, pay too much close attention because you know for some reason if i pay too much attention to a game i kind of lose interest mm-hmm. so so it, it looked like a nice mix of marco polo grand austria hotel and lorenzo all mixed into one so it's definitely got got my hopes up because those games are they're good thinky games but they're not hard to to learn so right. So I think you get a you get a lot out of the little effort that you need to to put into learning it. Plus that art, it was just great. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to check this one out. Um, since Kim and I both love um, Lorenzo El Magnifico, which I'm really waiting for the expansion for that one to come out. I can't wait for that. Yes. So, so Eggert Spiel seems to be uh, on a on a roll with me lately. I what uh, Heaven and Ale was one. Queenbra is one now. The last one we bought was Great Western Trail. Um, I have Mombasa now, which still have yet to play that one. But after reading the rules, I said, all right, this is something up my alley. You never played Mombasa? No, I have not, actually, because huh. that, that came out when I was like still not uh, not too into the medium games. Yeah, that's definitely. I would say that's definitely a medium or more medium game. But yeah, as I, I saw Alexander Fister on the cover, and we, all the games we have of his that we've played, they've been really good and enjoyable. We haven't just played one and done; we've played them multiple times. Great, Great Western Trail is uh, is one of the wife's favorite games. So waiting for the, waiting for the expansion for that one too. There's so many expansions. I'm just going to keep buying expansions for all these games. Forget new games. This may be 2018 may be the year of expansions for us because there's a lot of the games that we like that I've liked over the past several years that are getting expansions now. So it's going to be really interesting. I mean, there's there's been a few things coming out that are really catching my I mean, Thunderstone Quest is supposed to be released this week. Um, Edge of Darkness is coming out from AEG. That's another one that I'm going to be backing immediately. Yes. Um, but I'm I'm not really too sure what else I'm going to be getting into in 2018 here, other than definitely some of these expansions that are coming out. I'm really well, looking that, forward to them. That's how it usually is at the beginning of the year. There's yeah. really like, maybe like one or two games at the start, and then as soon as it gets to like the summertime, here you go. Here starts the new games. Like I already know, I know two games I'm for sure buying. You know that Queenbra definitely yeah. getting that. Reef was the other one from Plan B or next move that 
what they're calling that uh, publishing house now. Um, that one is for sure, you know, Century Eastern Wonders. I know that's coming out and I'm going to get that. That's all I really know for sure that's coming out, minus some of the Kickstarters. Like you said, Edge of Darkness, that one, probably going to pick that up because, as you heard last week, the wife loves Mystic Veil. Yep, mine too. That was that was one that her and Yuki, her, you know, Kim and Yuki were on the same page on that one, definitely. Yeah, we, we should get a four-player game of that going. And, oh, my, have you seen the expansion for for Mystic Veil, what's coming in that? I I saw it, but I really didn't look to see what's coming in, I know. I saw that they they put the rule book up online so you can finally see what's in it. Um, so there's no new there's no new cards in this one per se. Okay, that's interesting uh, considering it's a card game. Uh, well, so it's a first of all it's a storage box, so it's going to be a larger larger storage box. So you're going to get some dividers and stuff like that. Um, you can play five and six players now. Ooh, interesting. Uh, I believe the I believe the player colors are white and purple. Okay, nice, nice. So, so it's like purple. okay, it's like boom, purple. There we I'm got down, that. I'm down, I'm down with that. So you get that. Um, and now, if you play, it, they they suggested it for a five and six player game, but I'm assuming you could do it with uh, with less. I don't I don't think it would be good with a two player game though. But now you have the the Equinox variant, which it comes with day and night borders inside this box. And what that means is um, two players are going to have a token. One player is going to have a day token. The other one's going to have a night token. And I guess they're going to be like across the table from each other. Okay. Um, and what's going to happen is, you know how you set the market out every game for, you know, the two to four players right now you have two separate markets one's the day market one's the night market oh interesting so I when see where you're going so essentially you can have two people playing turns at the same time and they said this is to like speed things up uh there's also some other things like there's totems which is like special player powers but i from what i saw i don't believe they get mixed into your cards it's just something that's in front of you and then they have uh, what's called conclaves, which I believe is kind of like suggested uh, deck setups. Okay. That you can mix together for like, oh, put these however many advancements together. And that's if you want to play this type of game. And then you mix a, a certain number of them all together so you can customize how, how the game's going to be. That, so sound, that, that, that sounds really interesting because it almost sounds like the way they did the they did the suggestions for Valeria card kingdoms where they actually told you, you know, play with these particular cards and it will give you this. And it really did give you a different game play style when you were playing. There were some games that were maybe heavy in one particular resource over another when you were Mm -hmm. doing that based on the cards that you had, which I was really, I really thought that was interesting the way the cards kind of can just easily shift that whole mechanism to make you think, you know, differently about what you're doing. Yeah. And I, th- I think a lot of the deck building style games, a lot of them that I have seem to have, you know, suggestive setups for what type of game you want to play. I know Dominion has, um, I know heart of crown had it. Valeria, as you said, had some yeah. suggestive ones. There's, there's probably more, but I don't want to even think about all those now. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I think that's it. I think we have hit the end We've talked about a few of the things that we played and a few things that we want to play. Anything else you want to discuss tonight before we say goodbye to everybody? No, we can uh, we can talk about things another time. You know, you know what we should talk about. We should talk about trying to get some of these designers on the show. We could do that. We can set up some more interviews. I'll have to see who we want to get in touch with. We'll have to talk about that off air and then figure out who we want to send out some invites to. Yes. So other than that, everybody, thank you for joining us. As always, send us some emails. Let me know what you're playing now. Let us know what you're playing now. Send those emails to what I'm playing now at gmail.com. Join us in some conversations over on Board Game Geek. We have a guild over there, guild number 2440. 
On Twitter and Instagram, you can follow me at What I'm Playing Now. On Facebook, just do a search for What I'm Playing Now. On Twitch, you can subscribe to us there, twitch.tv slash What I'm Playing Now on YouTube. You can subscribe and follow us there, youtube.com slash What I'm Playing Now. Other than that, everybody, you have a great week gaming, and we will be back next week with another episode of the What I'm Playing Now podcast. Until then, everybody, you have a great week gaming, and we will see you later. See you, everyone. Bye.